Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 444. As part of our Inside Science interview series, today's show is another great one. Our guest today on the Not Old Better Show is Andy Slavitt, host of the popular new podcast, In the Bubble. A little background on Andy Slavitt. Andy Slavitt served as the acting administrator of Medicare and Medicaid services during the last two years of the Obama administration, something very familiar to our Not Old Better Show audience. Andy Slavitt is a healthcare industry veteran and helped to salvage the much maligned healthcare.gov website and worked to improve federal healthcare data analytics. Since leaving government, Andy Slavitt has remained a critical voice in the battle for healthcare coverage, founding the nonprofit United States of Care and the investment firm Town Hall Ventures in 2018. Since the outbreak of COVID 19, Andy Slavitt has been on the front lines, working to acquire healthcare supplies for medical workers, helping to popularize the hashtag stay home, and appearing on TV and podcasts like ours, The Not Old Better Show, to explain how we can flatten the curve. On In the Bubble, Andy's new podcast from Lemonada Media, Andy talks with leading scientists, cultural icons, and political leaders to help us process, understand, and adjust to the changing world around us. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Andy Slavitt. Andy Slavitt, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It is great to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to getting into this subject about your new podcast in the bubble. But I want to start with some news, if we could. There's so much going on with regard to healthcare, and I want to touch on this uh, first right out of the gate. I live in Virginia, where our U.S. Senator Mark Warner has just over the weekend announced that uh, medical equipment, uh, what's referred to as PPE, has uh, and and it's that material that's being used for testing and treating COVID nineteen. This is uh, the the equipment has been delayed, seized, or redirected out of. Virginia. But I'm not talking about this selfishly. This is a national issue. Governor Cuomo has discussed this, as has Governor Newsom in California. Jose Camacho in Texas has been saying the same things. And PPE that uh, is available is just under it, it, we're seeing this extreme pricing. There's bidding for PPE on eBay. It's almost become the norm. So Please tell us what's going on with this lack of transparency and why why we seem to be competing for medical equipment. I think we are all just getting frustrated well, with this. It, it would be great to know what's going on. And I think the things that fuel black markets are obviously shortages and lack of information. So the one sure way to kill this uh, would be for there to be a lot more transparency on behalf of the federal government uh, in terms of where the PPE is, how much there is, uh, who, how much FEMA has, how much is in storage, and what all of the demands are. It's not that hard to do. Um, but, but, you know, because I, I have a feeling that a lot of what's going on is maybe being misinterpreted. So, you know, for example, we expect the federal government to be playing a coordinating role. And if, for example, uh, you know, there is a state that indeed has uh, shortage and maybe there's another state that may have a shortage, then, you know, it's it's the responsible thing for FEMA to do to get the things to the places that need them the, the most. And I suspect that there's some of that going on. It wasn't that long ago, you recall, when people were screaming that they weren't getting their ventilators, they weren't getting enough ventilators, mm-hmm. um, you know, and in part, 
you know, I mean, everybody ended up getting it at ventilators, but but people have a um, tendency not not to not to lie, of course, mm-hmm. but but to be on the conservative side. If someone tells you you may need, you know, ten thousand of these, and you know that if you run out, you're going to be in real trouble, mm-hmm. you know, you might be inclined to say fifteen thousand. That that might be okay in most circumstances, but when there's a shortage. Um, sometimes it takes a coordinating role. So we're, we're giving a little bit of a mixed signal to, to FEMA and that we both want the coordination and governors are asking for coordination, but, but at the same time, then when they, if they do coordinate in ways that people don't like, people get concerned. And, you know, of course we live in a very untrusting world. And so people feel, use their own imagination and say, oh, well, they must be sending it from blue states to red states. I, I don't know that we have any evidence of that, but that's, that's that's an understandable narrative. Yes, absolutely. That is understandable. But that is follow up. Is is this what Project N95, the U.S. of Care, um, is is that what you're doing with U.S. of Care? In other words, shedding light on PPE availability and trying to add some of these supplies to the marketplace and to meet this high demand even with with production. And then I guess the the next question is: Is U.S. of Care a local focused program or national? The project in ninety five is actually filling uh, one important need. I think uh, we started it with a bunch a bunch of volunteers, um, and what the the need they're really filling for hospitals and for states is to vet and figure out who's legitimate when they say that they're selling something that hospitals need. Uh, you know, a, a, a day hadn't gone by in this crisis when I didn't have five emails offering to sell. Uh, you know. I we one one of them said the Gucci of N95 masks, <laughs> which is an expression I don't think we ever expected we'd hear before. Right. Um, uh, for you know only a price that was like four times what it originally came out of the 3M factory for, and so there are a whole uh, lot of people, and I'm sure you get these emails too. I get a lot of them saying I have a friend who can access N95 masks, and and all over the place. What what so Project N95? The first thing they do is they have a team of people that literally vet everybody and say, have you delivered an order before? Um, do you, do you currently hold inventory? Do you, do you take escrow? Uh, how do the payment terms work? And if they don't get good answers, um, they essentially don't put them on their list or they put them on a list that says suspicious or unsure or doesn't have information, but they've also been able to vet people who actually can deliver. And if you're a hospital or a governor and this has happened to several governors, and you're going to write a $10, $15 million check, um, which they've been, which they've been doing for protective equipment, uh, and, the gov- and then the gear doesn't show up. You know, that's happened to several states. And so these guys are basically saying, you know, to make a healthy market work, to get rid of the black market, and to stop people from profiteering, uh, we're going to essentially uh, vet these things. So if you come to them and you need something, uh, they will help you. Uh, figure out how to get it legitimately, presuming that someone has a supply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your message, too, is that irrespective of party, you feel it's important to reach out beyond just this partisan notion into uh, more collaboration. And, and and that means bringing together healthcare providers, government, innovators, all of us together to kind of s- solve this massive healthcare issue. So, Tell us how that's going. Oh, it's going great. Can't you tell? I can tell. I can tell. So I'm, I'm tongue in cheek. I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect. <laughs> um, you know, I look, I think we have, um, we started United States of Care when I left the government 
uh, with the goal of trying to get Americans what they want and deserve out of health care, namely that, for one, people shouldn't have to worry about being able to take care of their family if someone gets sick, and increasingly importantly with a deadly virus, is to keep people healthy. Um, and so it's we're, it's important to create a series of policies that reflect that and to reflect what I think is a consensus of the American public that, that that's what we want. There's nothing like an infectious disease to make people realize that we're only going to be as healthy as our least healthy neighbor, as the person who's sitting next to us on the bus or on the airplane, if they're not able to afford to keep themselves healthy, then there's nothing like an infectious disease that proves that we can do as much as we want uh, ourselves, uh, but that's not going to work. And so we are all in this together. Uh, we do need to realize that we need policies that make it so that everybody has health care. We can talk about how uh, expensive it is. But I think we're learning an important lesson in how expensive it is when you have to spend three to four to five trillion dollars in the face of an emergency on a crisis uh, instead of spending less to keep people healthy and keep people secure. I think that's what the public expects. Mm-hmm. And we kind of laugh a little bit about it, it being uh, imperfect, really. But is there is there anything that we can look at and, and be optimistic about, you think? A lot we can be optimistic about. I mean, we are good problem solvers in this country. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, we're good at getting ourselves in a mess, and we're good at solve. We're good at <laughs> getting ourselves out of the mess, and we will get ourselves out of this. And there's only two questions um, in my mind that we'll face uh, when when we pass this global pandemic. The first is how many people did we lose? I mean, that'll be the most important question, uh, and we want to make that number as low as possible. We want to do everything we can right now to be making everything as low as possible, and that's really the second question which is, I think we will all ask ourselves, what did we do during this crisis to make it easier for people and to help people? Some, and some of that's related to how, do we, how did we work to um, collectively reduce the spread? Some of that will be, you know, how did we help people who were uh, out of a job or, or maybe hungry, worse off than we were, or maybe just highly anxious, going through really difficult times? You know, were we reaching out to people? Were we were we helping bring people together in this moment of sacrifice? Because there are storied periods in our history, World War II, the Depression. Uh, most of us alive t- uh, today are not, we're not old enough to go through those periods. Um, this may be one of those moments for many of us where we have a chance to demonstrate who we are, what we're made of, and how much we can help people um, through a pretty difficult time. When we come back with Andy Slavitt, Andy will tell us more about the state of healthcare innovation, and we'll hear Andy Slavitt talk about his new podcast, In the Bubble. You'll love this. Stay with us. Hi, it's Paul, and thanks, as always, for listening. Of course, we're talking with Andy Slavitt today, host of the In the Bubble podcast. In the Bubble is a member of the podcast network, Lemonada Media. In addition to In the Bubble, Lemonada Media produces another show, their flagship, called Last Day. Last Day is a deeply personal look at the opioid crisis through the prism of a victim's last day. Serious stuff. But I will tell you that Lemonada Media founder Jessica Cordova Kramer will tell you that listening to the show will make you laugh and make you cry, probably at the same time. 
Shows like this need our support. Both shows, In the Bubble and Last Day, are expensive to produce, promote, and develop, so I'm asking you to contribute where you can. Financial support is akin to impact, and you can help by clicking on the Patreon links in our show notes to support Last Day and In the Bubble. Once you contribute, you'll get some cool extras like extended interviews, exclusive interviews, behind-the-scenes material, and other contributor-only content. Lemonada Media recently started Patreon subscriptions for Last Day and In the Bubble with Andy Slavitt. So for a few dollars a month, you can support the great work that you and other listeners have come to rely on. Check it out. Again, you'll find the links to Patreon in our show notes. And thanks for listening. And now back with Andy Slavitt. We are back with Andy Slavitt, healthcare policy expert, advocate, and host of the new podcast, In the Bubble. Andy Slavitt, it's a very clever name. Uh, it's done from your home, right? Especially during these days. <laughs> and uh, some of the guests are, are impressive names. Mark Cuban, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Seth Doan from CBS News. Describe it for us. Tell us, is, is it a little bit of uh, news? Is it kind of a healthcare cheerleader? Are you trying to educate us all? What... What, what is it that the podcast is is driving at? And, and, and tell us a little bit about what's coming up in the show. Sure, sure. So, so uh, the, the tone of the show is aims to be uh, 50% Winston Churchill, 50% Mark, 50% Mr. Rogers. Um, and then maybe I'd say 1% dad joke because uh, I just can't resist. But, um, but, you know, it's really intended to be something that the whole family can listen to. So it's from our family to your family. Um, it was the idea was my 18 year old son, Zach's uh, and Zach said, hey, dad, you should do a podcast because he sat around listening to me talk to national security experts and scientists and entertainers and and uh, people in the White House and people and governors. And he said, dad, why don't you just do a podcast and talk to those people on the air and then explain to people kind of what's what's going on. And I and I think the idea is that um, this is some you know, this is a time that we're all going to live through. There's a lot of dimensions to it. Um, some of it's going to be very, very scary. And some of it um, is going to be very meaningful and in, in, in positive ways. Uh, and so my goal is to bring people kind of trusted information uh, in a calm tone, in a way that's helpful, uh, and in a way where people feel like um, that some of the, the um, wrapping that hides how stuff works kind of disappears a little bit. That's, that's my goal. Yes, you're definitely hitting that goal, and um, and and you have this wonderful sense of humor. Thank uh, you. Perhaps a, a goal a, as well, but it is really, I think, wonderful that you bring in your son Zach, and uh, it presents this very intergenerational combination that I think my audience is really going to relate to. You have this really nice touch with this um, uh, special special message of a. Of, of taking a break in the podcast for a 20 second handwashing moment, you, you call it. Right. And it, it just, right. it makes me laugh. And I think that's, that's needed in these times. I, I at least amuse myself. That's, that's for sure. We had this week, we have uh, Anthony Scaramucci and Nate Silver. Um, and we were exploring with the reason I called Anthony Scaramucci, who's a guy that I didn't know before is I wanted to get as close as I could into the head of how is the president making decisions, what's his rubric for thinking about um, how he's going forward. And and for and with Nate Silver, a very specific question, which is, you know, he's a statistician, he's used to calling elections. Uh, 
with what, what do we know and what don't we know? And what is knowable today? And what are things we're just guessing at and how are we guessing? And I, I so those were the two topics we explored. Uh, both of them were, I think, great guests and really, really fascinating and very generous with their opinions. They sound like both good guests. I, I have not listened. I've saw, I saw that one come up in my subscription feed, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to listening to it. You also, speaking of Scaramucci, speaking of the president, you, you have this really interesting way of kind of describing the president currently. And you, you say that if if he claims to be a wartime president, then perhaps we need to have him act that way and do certain things. And so what what's your kind of your checklist? to, to- Sure. Look, well, I'm, I'm uh, first of all, I'm working hard, not always successfully, to not constantly just bash the president in part you know i I, i've been highly critical of the president and in part it's easy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thing to do it's an easy thing for me to do doesn't do us a lot of good and quite honestly um at this point in time i want him to be successful if he wants to save lives i'm all in um if he uh so so uh but at the same time uh, i want to hold him accountable Mm -hmm. uh for times when i think he strays from that and so that's a fine line is to, to try to not come off as too, you know, partisan, particularly for someone who people understand where I sit politically. Um, but if he wants to be a wartime president, to me, that means a few things. What do great wartime presidents do? First of all, they're very objective. Uh, they don't see themselves in every decision. It doesn't you know, impact their their ego. They're very data driven. They're uh, they arm their troops. So to your earlier questions about PPE, um, they make sure their troops have all the best equipment. Uh, they are decisive. They read the maps. Uh, they are. They trust uh, the information they hear, but they're very, very skeptical of good news. Um, you know, they're not. You know, no, no one said to uh, Eisenhower or Patton, "Hey, I think the, I think the, uh, the, the this thing it looks like it's going to be over tomorrow." And he says, "Oh, great." Um, so, you know, what, it, what 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 the what the president has to do is he has to try to separate his ego from the information he hears. He has to uh, trust the scientists more. He's got to be candid. He's got to not try to uh, jump on, you know, possible theories of good news to just to demonstrate how how good he's doing. And if he does that, I think he'll gain some trust in this process. If he doesn't, um, I think I think it'll erode. I don't think there's a winning strategy that's hey, let's fool the virus. Um, it, the virus isn't isn't foolable. You can't gaslight the virus. Um, he, you know, he tried that early on. It didn't work. Um, and now he's got he's best off, I think, doing something that's a little bit out of character for him. Um, and then I think it wouldn't hurt to show some empathy um, for, for, for the public and for the for the people that are that are dying. I think he's doing that a little bit better than he has in the past. But I think, you know, we expect national leaders to really step up to that moment. Thank you for that. I, I liked that. And it's good. Good to hear it again. And good. Good reminder for all of us to used to evaluate kind of this situation. Andy Slava, one one final question for you. My audience, the audience of those of us who are over age 55, would love some advice. You know, what what is it that we should be doing? What, what, what shouldn't we be doing right now? You have this really wonderful message. You have a hashtag that's, uh, that's getting some attention now. Please uh, tell us so that we, we're not all losing our minds out here. You know? <laughs> yeah. So look, we have a website called called stayhomesavelives.us. The hashtag is is stay home. And I think it's uh, initially we launched this before many of the states took on uh, some of these important initiatives to reduce the spread. It indeed has worked. You know, we've been reducing the spread. And, you know, I want to say that for most people who have been staying home, 
uh, it's felt like, why are we doing this? But the, the truth is that by staying home, you've done a number of things. You've reduced the number of people infected. You've given our healthcare workforce a chance to deal with what's in front of them. And you've bought time for our scientists to, uh, to, to, to do the work that they do. And so that, that's great. I know it's hard, though. And I, I know it's a sacrifice, uh, of, in some cases, a, a major sacrifice uh, for lots of people. And so as we think about the next stages, as we think about reconnecting back and adopting some of our old life, understand that it's going to happen in small pieces. Understand that this is still an invisible virus that goes and travels among people who are asymptomatic or presymptomatic until it finds people to whom it can be uh, quite lethal for. So be very careful. If you have people in your lives who are have de uh, depressed immune systems or who've had cancer, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, uh, be especially careful. Uh, I think uh, there's no such thing as being too careful when it comes to taking care of yourself in a situation like this until there's a vaccine. That means staying at least six feet from people, washing your hands constantly, uh, wearing a mask, uh, uh, you know, all of the all of the things that you do to protect your loved ones, do for yourself. Andy Slavitt, host of the new podcast In the Bubble. We certainly hope, Andy Slavitt, that the people in your life are doing well. We hope you're doing well, dealing with all of this and uh, being safe, practicing safe social distancing, all of those things. But good luck with this podcast. We're going to be paying attention. We'd love to have you come back sometime soon, too, to talk a little bit more about it. But thanks so much for your generous time today. I love how you said that, practicing safe social distancing. <laughs> in addition to the... It sounded like you were going to say something uh, else. Well, I think you... you yeah. yeah, Yeah, you've said it well. You should do that, too. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you, too, Andy Slavitt. Thank, Thank you. you. It's so nice to talk to you. My thanks to Andy Slavitt, host of the wonderful new podcast, In the Bubble. I think you'll enjoy In the Bubble, and I know you'll enjoy Andy Slavitt, who, over his career, has led many significant and successful initiatives in healthcare, impacting millions of Americans and the shape of the healthcare system. You can find In the Bubble on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And my thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Remember, stay safe, everyone. Practice smart social distancing and talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.